0: sword and board i'm luke and i'm lars this is a fool's errand and trying to talk and rank every fantasy movie on the planet and this week we have a special guest with us um we're talking with quincy from rank and vile quincy how are you
1: hey ghouls how's it going (laughs) (laughs)
0: i'm doing well i
1: uh just introduced my friends to dungeons and dragons this weekend Excellent. Nice. we play Dungeons & Dragons Every day this weekend That sounds oh, amazing that's awesome. <laughs> So like you know My other 30 something Parent friends I'm like hey have you ever Played D&D and they're like no and I was like I think you'd really enjoy it Let's play and then they're like can we keep playing? I'm like, <laughs> I guess. And then throwing together adventures and then just like, okay, we'll do
0: it again. And There ain't no rule that says you have to stop playing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Now, did, did these friends go to work today or are they still playing? Like, They is that still, are is also it... <laughs> on
1: fall break. That's the, oh. that's, we're, we're all on that fall break grind. So uh, gotcha. the, the benefit nice. of working and education is we all get off at the same time the same days except for for my spouse who had to work even though all of our kids are off school and everyone else is off school she's not off work
2: see i'm Mm. i work in education as well i'm in a um at a college but i'm in the administrative side so we're we're here it just (laughs) all fall break means for me is that i have better parking (laughs) (laughs) because the students aren't here (laughs) Uh. So, Lucas, how was your week?
0: My week has been pretty good. Uh, last week, we went to a family reunion with uh, this goober here. Yes. Um, I got to meet my niece for the first time, which was lovely. Yeah. Uh, got to actually talk to my nephew since the last time I held him, last time I saw him, he was a tiny package. Yes. We, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Uh,
2: yeah, we, we really enjoyed that, man. That was yeah. that was pretty, pretty spectacular.
0: I thought so, too. Had more to drink that night than i have in the past three years yep yep that was that was a fun asterisk
2: it's a it's family yep it's how you make it through
0: mm-hmm. so there you go
3: <laughs>
2: so so quincy so this 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 Dungeons and dragons um, extravaganza are you the dungeon master or are you i mean where's your role in all of this so
1: i'm the dungeon master And they're like, can you get something together by... So we played Saturday, and they're like, can you get another adventure done by Monday? And I'm like, sure, because I prefer other people's modules and adventures because there is so much out there, Mm -hmm. uh, and so many people have done so much fun stuff. I find it very entertaining to just take people's adventures and just kind of... Modify them on the fly. That's my yeah. preferred dungeon master style. Uh, okay. So I had this plan. We did um, Johan Noor's uh, quest for the murder sword to introduce them, and they found. If you have not played that adventure, it is a one-page dungeon, and it is amazing. It's it's um, every like Mana War album cover, but in <laughs> a D&D dungeon.
0: So um, so it's brutal yeah. legend the type the tabletop.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Nice. You're 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 delving into a dungeon that's actually a skeleton of a giant. So like that's Ah, that's when you're when you're crawling through the dungeon. Uh, So we did that one, and then my players, um, because this is my first time being a dungeon master as well, I didn't expect that they would do well, and (laughs) they (laughs) resurrected the giant while they were inside it. All Which right. yeah, I also did not count for. So, um, because I gave them a, a legendary monster, they all immediately leveled up to level 5 because they killed it. So nice. I'm like, alright, your second quest will be a level 5 adventure instead of a level 0 adventure. <laughs> nice! <laughs> yeah. Now... So, um, then we were going to play, uh, I can't remember the guys that wrote it, but the module um, A Wild Sheep Chase. So we were gonna. I was planning to give that to my group tonight, and then uh, yesterday I was at a, fest, a book festival all day. And my wife said, "I want to run one, and I want to run this really great one called a Wild Sheep Chase." And I was like, "Damn it!" <laughs> So it's like, okay, you can play that one, and then I've got to scramble to find something new because uh, you read ahead and took the exact
0: adventure that I want to run. Have you seen the uh, the Wendy's D and D thing they just came out with?
1: Yeah, I'm feeling some kind of way about that. Yeah, I, don't I know how to feel.
0: I don't. I, I am trying to con a friend of mine into to running it because if you roll a nat twenty, you go into feast mode. <laughs> and I appreciate that on a level that mm-hmm. I can't really articulate.
2: Um, now, now, see, I, I haven't played as much d and We actually, in college, we got a hold of this. It's a It was a VCR board game. Like, you know, you, you put the, the tape in and you it told you stuff as you were playing. So, like, oh, the, the tape Dragon's was Drake? Nightmare. Okay. It's called Nightmare. And so the the tape was the Dungeon Master. And, like, every once in a while, like, there'd be a random, like, you know, oh, whoever just rolled, you know, is dead. Or, like, what, you know, it, I, I forget all the rules. But, um, Quincy, since you are a horror guy, I mean, you're coming to us from a horror ranking.
1: Yes, um, I have I watched to... an untenable amount of horror, and I have serious <laughs> opinions on films like Necromantic, the necrophilia romance
3: <laughs> film.
2: Perfect. um With that, so jumping off of the Dungeons & Dragons and this this VCR thing. Did you see a movie? I, I just saw one called Beyond the Gates.
1: Yeah, that was really good. It's such a niche, I thought so. <laughs> it's such a niche nostalgia thing for like yes. five people that remember these board games.
2: That's what I thought. I was like, oh my gosh! I don't. I mean, I don't really have a, a huge experience with Dungeon and
1: Dragons. I remember these things, and they made a movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys ever seen the movie The Wild Hunt?
2: No. No.
1: So, for a while, I think it might count on this, but it might not. It's about a weekend LARP where these guys are <laughs> doing, like, a fantasy LARP, and yeah. it gets taken too far, and, like, there's a moment where everyone forgets that it's fantasy, and they, like, start actually hurting. So, them it's
0: mazes and monsters. monsters, but played straight? Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Okay.
2: I can get
1: behind that. Yeah. It's very good. It, that was in that, like, uh, probably about ten years ago, people found out that other people were doing live-action role-playing, so there was, like, right. a real boom. Kind of like how there was a, a Juggalo documentary boom. There was, like, a LARP <laughs> yeah. boom, and there was, like, documentaries and movies. And
0: yeah, right. I remember... There was one called about this thing called Darkon that I remember wanting to watch, but I could never find a copy of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I. That, it's actually a pretty good documentary. It's not as like, look at these nerds as you think it would be. There's a <laughs> right. little bit of pathos because, like, you you do hear a couple of people say like, yeah, my life is not enjoyable in real life, so I like to come here because I can pretend to have power. Uh, but it was right. not as maudlin and everyone was sad as most documentaries about nerd subcultures tend to
0: be well, that's good so quincy <laughs> um tell us a little bit about rank and vile because you sort of inspired this so
1: yeah so um the best <laughs> aka I we asked... ripped it off <laughs> 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 so so what's great is you ripped off a ripped off your malto meal cereal is our I, I've lost my metaphor there. Your dollar store <laughs> cereal is my bottom rack cereal. Is someone else's name brand cereal.
0: Okay, excellent. I feel slightly better about this. Yeah, so yes.
1: um, there's a podcast called War Rocket Ajax, and they have a segment called Every Story Ever, where they're ranking every comic book story ever written, and they've been doing this for years, so I thought the one of the hosts of that podcast, Chris Sims, is very vocal about not liking scary movies, so I thought, I like scary movies, uh, it's not gimmick infringement if the... Co-host of the podcast says, "I never want to do this." So uh, my friend Ryan and I started Rank and vile and we're just watching movies, and and we're about four hundred something movies deep now, and uh, the DVDs never stop flowing. Um, I always think that we're not going to have anything to say, and then we find another movie that's just insane. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think I what I really enjoy is finding the weird stuff the stuff that is uh, what some people would call psychotronic films stuff that's not your triple A releases stuff that's shot on video stuff that was Mm -hmm. released in a theater for one weekend in 1987 and then was put in a vault and someone said we can scan this and put it on Tubi for free and uh because we're in an era where we're so desperate for cheap content Mm -hmm. uh people so much of this stuff is put online on websites like Tubi and Shutter and, mm-hmm. and Amazon Prime. Uh, FilmRise is like my favorite company because they will put anything online and get right. a, a royalty check from it so like because we're in this era of everything streaming so we just have to find cheap stuff stuff where people forgot to renew the copyright stuff where people are just like shocked and flattered and happy to get a 25 cent check every couple months Mm -hmm. uh
0: there's a lot of weird
1: stuff out there and that's kind of what i you know i do you guys watch wrestling
0: not in a long time
1: so, do you remember Stone Cold Steve Austin? Or you probably played oh, yeah. like, yes. the Stone Cold of him like, drinking 18 beers at once. That's mm-hmm. me in yes. these weird fucking movies. <laughs> I, just, I love weird stuff. And especially the thing that I've really fallen into is um, the Shaw brothers have their classic Kung Fu movies. But especially in the 80s, kind of standards in Hong Kong got a little looser. And mm-hmm. they got into. Maybe some of the most ghoulish horror movies in existence. So you get stuff like Seeding of a Ghost, where a woman gives birth to a ghost, and also... Um, it's just, As you do. Yeah, black magic, <laughs> really creepy practical effects that are just insane so it's just the the shaw brothers studio is is such a good studio because they had mastered their craft so much and just Mm -hmm. mixing insane kung fu with horror Uh, there's also a movie called the seven golden vampires which is literal van helsing uh peter Cushing playing van helsing goes to china and has to fight uh hopping vampires
2: I'll, uh what you need to say that one again because
1: <laughs> yeah. I want to go so, watch so that Van right now. <laughs> is doing a guest lecture in a Hong Kong college and he's talking about vampires and the his students say it's really offensive that you come to China and assume that we're all superstitious medieval chinese people we're an enlightened nation and we're progressive fuck right on off and then right. the legendary seven brothers and one sister show up and say actually we do have some vampires we need you to help us fight and the rest of the movie's a kung fu movie
0: i thought that was that for some awesome. reason i thought that was a hammer horror because i remember hearing about that production it was shaw brothers oh, and i was
1: gonna hammer say horror together Very cool. They could not get uh, Christopher Lee in it. So Dracula only shows up for like the first 30 seconds of the movie and it's some other dude. And then Dracula turns into a wizened old Buddhist monk who then resurrects Chinese vampires. As you do. Want, yeah. it, this, you, thank you for. The, I was gonna ask you for a recommendation,
2: and, and I know I didn't come out and ask you for one, but you just gave me one, so I appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. It's, it's maybe
1: my favorite of the the Chinese horror. There's a whole subgenre of hopping vampire movies, which in China the like the vampire is almost like a zombie, and you have to use. Um, Oh, I can't remember so Sailor Moon, Sailor Mars has the little afuta, the little stickers that she sticks on people and they like mm-hmm. catch on fire. That's how you control a hopping vampire. You have to have like a Buddhist
0: And they speaker. hop because they're corpses and rigor mortis is set in.
1: Right, right. And and <laughs> believe it or not, they are <laughs> threatening because they can hop pretty far and um See, it's all this like everything commingles. I'm also obsessed with Kid Dracula, the Castlevania game that was oh, yeah. the Japan only release. Uh Boko no Dracula Coon, I think is what it was called. There's hopping vampires in that. Um they're really hard to fight because they have that giant like leap arc so so counting and, and timing that right is really challenging. And yeah, it's just a thing that I'm really into. There's also a director, Godfrey Ho, that would buy a lot of really cheap East Asian movies and intersplice them with like one scene from an American actor I'm like American, and yeah. them. So he made a movie called Robo Vampire which is basically RoboCop but he fights hopping vampires. And there's also a Writing that one down. Gorilla that shoots <laughs> fire out of his hands.
0: Yeah, so Robo Vampire, uh movie <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> movie right. A decade.
2: Yeah. Well, so then you're you're clearly on with the, you know, you're you're in with the Shaw brothers. You you brought us one from them. Tell us about it.
1: So, The Weird Man is a 1983 kung fu movie where a monk is a really popular... Like, a really strong fighter, you know, very revered in his dojo. And this is actually... An adaptation of Romance of the Three Kingdoms. The, the I read that. China yeah. Literary classic. So it's like one of those paragraphs in Romance of the Three Kingdoms that they're like, we're going to make a whole movie out of it. So this king is like a total jerk. And he's like a, a real fascist and real despot. So this Buddhist shows up and they're like, no, nah, we're going to kill this guy because we're the only ones that matter. So right. this dude is killed and his students take him and put him in their temple and And because of Eastern magic, we're just going to wave our fingers at that. His ghost can leave his body every day as long as someone is there... Every 24 hours to tap him on the head to remind him return to his body. So the weird man just starts these shenanigans where he's just <laughs> that's an excellent this word king. for it. <laughs> and like he will, you know, possess the king's wife, and they'll have like a sex scene. And then yep. the movie is this wonderful use of of camera tricks where they'll just blink a shot and intersperse like the the man. Tian Chi Ching in, like, the wife's dress in the bed, and then uh, the next cut, it'll be back to the regular woman. And, like, right. there's all of these insane kung fu fights where because the weird man is a kung fu master, he's really good at fighting, and, like, he'll possess the king's guards so the king kills all of his guards and there's a really great epic fight scene at the end where one guy is chain fighting and the other guy is sword fighting and yep. it's just like a it's the tone is surprisingly humorous it's a very
0: yes. like, light-hearted G- kung fu I'm, movie i'm gonna be perfectly honest there was a lot of times where i didn't know what the hell was going on because I, <laughs> I, I quit <laughs> like i started quit, watching quit. this like what am i i don't know what's going on and the best way to describe this when i like finally could focus in i'm like okay so it's about a horny kung fu ghost yeah it is a horny yeah. kung
1: fu ghost who's just messing with the dude that killed him
0: <laughs> yeah but you're 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 right that it's it's a more light-hearted
2: tone i actually texted lucas and i said that this is just Big Trouble in regular-sized China.
1: <laughs> yes, classic literary romance of the Three Kings China. Yes, right. The other thing I love about all Shaw Brothers movies is their props house just makes these insanely shiny props. Yeah, cards. yes. Yeah, I and noticed also, that. Also, because it's one of those early 80s movies, the blood, which flows freely, is that, bubbling like, fire engine red prop blood yeah well and it's just and it it was just i mean it was weird man um <laughs> it
0: was
2: like you know he's the, a weird man he's a weird man you know in that for an opening scene when they're you know they're the tangerines and like they keep cutting open tangerines and they're empty and then like like a teapot flying around in the air
0: bertrand and russell was, says hi yeah it was
2: just like what what the hell's going on and, and that and that that feeling carried over the entire movie but it was just like I, there's some movies that are just so weird where it's like you know after a while okay i'm bored there's nothing like really holding my attention it's not interesting I, i'm done i was it was in, tr- it, I was in trance. I think is, that's the best. Like I couldn't look away. It was just, you know, partly you had to look cause you had to read the subtitles So I didn't understand what was, they were saying, but the other was just, it just looks so interesting. And and like, there's just so like, there's so many neat, like you said, so many neat props and just so many neat practical effects that I, I had to keep watching. I didn't know what I was watching, but I had to keep watching.
1: Yeah. The, the yeah. editor of this film is the true star because of the amount of cuts from the actor the weird man wearing earrings and a dress to just like a regular (laughs) dude or and even just like it took me a long time the first time i watched it to realize that the old weird man and the young weird man were the same person were the same yep beard and wig are just so incredible i did not realize that it was the same actor.
0: i was today years old when i figured when i learned that this second (laughs) yes yeah, the whole movie just now makes beat. a lot it's more the sense. Best,
1: <laughs> like stringy old man beard, and then they just like unattach it, and it's like, yeah, he's a young, spry kung fu man. Yeah. Oh. Also, uh, I forgot to point out they behead the dude in like the second scene. Yeah. Yes. And put oh, it, on, it goes like, from
2: zero to video. zero to beheading very
1: quickly. Um, I also really like uh, that most people, when describing this movie online, just call it. Bizarre.
0: It's yeah, because that's about the only word that that accurately describes that that encompasses it. May not cover everything, but that's at least a, a starting point.
1: But in terms of like fight choreography too, I think I really love just how good the martial arts are in this movie.
0: Yeah. Yes.
2: Well, yeah, and it makes you appreciate you know just that how they filmed the mar. Like it's great, it's great choreography, but it's also how it's it's filmed and how it's staged. You know, so many. So much choreography now in fight, you know, in fight scenes and, and action movies, you could barely see what's happening.
1: Yeah, I think we've we're in a at least in American cinema. There's a Michael Bayification of yes. We're just going to do these extreme close-ups and explosions, so you don't know what is happening, and the and deliberate quick cuts, intricacy of you know the chain fighting. I can't pick, think of mm-hmm. another movie that uses chains that go around the entire room so it creates like a web that they have to like weave through while mm-hmm. they're they're having
2: a fight right no and, and and it's just i for me when it gets so close in and there's so many quick cuts and you can't tell what's going on i don't really care you know i, I kind of i just like all right well i guess they're fighting but then when you can actually see the scope of it and you're right like you they're when it, it's an interesting setting or there's an interesting way that they're fighting that for me it, it says more about it tells me something about the characters it tells me about
0: the world it's kind of like um like you were
2: informative
0: when we were watching prince valiant one of the things that i loved about that was that that excruciatingly long fight scene at the end of it where like the shields got warped because they're hitting some hitting them so much right like they're crumpling like pieces of tin because the fight this sword fight goes on for 10 minutes Right.
1: And the other thing that is, like, so genius is early in the movie, it's established that the disciples <laughs> of the weird man have to tap his head to remind his ghost <laughs> that he only has so long for shenanigans and he's got to return <laughs> to his form. So the in, And there's a water clock that is established early so that the disciples know what time is tapping time. The best right. thing is... Th- the added tension of the final fight being in yeah. the weird man's temple and the disciples have to literally jump across the room and do five backflips to tap his head and then go, okay, now we can fight some more and jump around in that. And like uh, when the disciples start taking losses as a viewer, I'm like, Oh, we're going to lose the weird man. He's going to be stuck as a ghost forever because it's also established that like eventually if the weird man's body heals, heals he can resurrect but in the meantime he's just a shenanigans ghost so like there's that there's that real tension of like i don't think he's gonna make it out of this one i think he's gonna be stuck as a ghost forever because he's just uh no one can tap his head except for a disciple and then like normally sword fights are exciting but add sword fight and also struggling to get to the other side of the room to tap your master's head just really adds that incredible tension to this
0: movie. i remember thinking like what you know there's That water clock that shows it, they should be able to to rig it so that something just falls on his head. I mean, it should does it have to be a person? (laughs) (laughs) They could just they they could solve all this by having something fall on him, like it's like a
2: China. Like what what if they rigged up like Chinese water torture? Only it's not torture; it's just a wake up call.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chinese (laughs) snooze button. Right, exactly. Have hey, they're not time. all
2: mystical people. They're an uh, advanced society. They. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I teach literature, and one of the things that's really important to me is like the human aspects of all stories. Yeah. And the way that the weird man deals with hubris in this is really intriguing, too. Because this king is like the mightiest warrior and that's why he's the king except that the weird man injures him and then everyone says you've got to take it easy or you're going to have internal wounds and die and because he the king is so beset upon by shenanigans He is constantly busting those stitches and that hubris is his undoing in this movie. And that just like as a, you know, someone who got their MA in English, that's just so satisfying (laughs) that everyone in the movie says like, hey, dude, take it easy. And he's like, but this weird man is bothering me.
2: (laughs) Right. And and if he and if he just let this, just let it go, just leave him alone. Like, yeah. So he he is ultimately, yeah, it's the weird man doing all these things, but it's it's he's the cause of his own undoing
1: yeah, yeah yeah It's that fatal character flaw that he's like no i can't leave it well enough alone and it's like the weird man isn't actually harming him he's just fucking with him right right He's and... he's, he's he's you know just making this guy well the weird his man life does slightly more difficult have sex with his sister-in-law which is probably not acceptable but
2: <laughs> generally frowned upon. Yeah. yeah. Generally yeah.
1: Frowned, that's, that's a mean trick, but some of the other tricks are just like making him have sex with his own wife and then busting his stitches more because the, the horny ghost makes everybody horny. Right. I like this. It was, it was a
2: good movie. I don't know what, I, I mean, it was an interesting movie. I think that this is definitely one that I need to go take another look at and really like now, like, now that I've seen how it ends, and now kind of I know
0: I don't have to worry but, about I can I have the scaffolding of the story I can watch the, I can actually watch the movie
2: right, and it's not just what's this what's going on like I'm not trying to piece it all together now that I've seen it I want to go back through now Quincy how how many times have you seen this before?
1: Uh, believe it or not, I've only seen it like once all the way through.
2: Okay, but it's okay. it's
1: one of those movies that's so good I just you know don't need to go back over and over. I also. Would say the dialogue is secondary, if not tertiary, in this film. It's really not a talking movie. It is a
2: no. Look at this no.
1: insane stuff that's happening. I,
2: I agree. I mean, and there, there's there's actually there's there's a few times where. And you'll appreciate this um, dad, the dad that, you know, when you ha- have certain movies on and then, you know, you get interrupted with your kids and stuff like that. You have to kind of turn it off or you have to mute it or you have to have stuff going on in the background. I was still able to follow everything, even though the, the sound was off, you know, yeah. or like even though like there wasn't any dialogue going on. So it, it's um it's an interesting movie. I, I would definitely it's on prime. You should check it out. It's yeah.
1: uh... <laughs> I would argue that that's also speaking to Cheng Che as a director that there's so much visual um, storytelling that the dialogue kind of works. It works without the dialogue because even though you might be confused because you haven't read Romance of the Three Kingdoms or you don't remember the one paragraph that this is based off of, uh, you can kind of figure out. It's like wrestling in that you can tell the heel and you can tell the baby face just by watching it. So like yeah. if you if you're down with the concept of horny shenanigans ghost and stuffy <laughs> despot ruler, you're you're good to go.
0: Yeah, that gets you in the ballpark of anything you need to know for it.
2: Right. What do we want to talk about
1: next?
0: Well, I guess I'll go next cuz I actually love this. <laughs> I do, and you you will fight me on this one.
2: No, I just will <laughs> shake. Just okay. I'll just think that you should have better taste in movies, but that's okay.
0: Okay. Well, so keeping with the spooky Halloween theme, my pick for the week is uh, the 2004 classic Van Helsing. <laughs> okay, I utterly love this because <laughs> I love this movie. I fully admit it's garbage, but I also fully admit I'm a raccoon. It's basically Castlevania the movie, and I've had a long-running argument with one of my best friends about this, and he refuses to see the light on this one, but it's Castlevania the movie. In this world, which is... I I love that they tried to do this. This was like the, the nest egg of a a trying to make a um shared universe. shared universe this is like the first time that universal tried to do this and yeah, i wish that they the had kept first it.
1: first universal shared universe gambit and it failed and then i believe the second one is the new mummy that failed and then I yeah right there's there might have been one in between that also failed
0: oh well, Dr- well dracula untold tried dracula to
1: do untold, that you're right you're right that one is a was a colossal failure with this universe. And also um I Frankenstein was doing the same thing but in the underworld yeah. universe. You know the underworld universe. <laughs> <laughs> you know
0: that thing. The thing that, that somehow keeps love. going that keeps going and going. going. And I've only yeah. ever seen one of. But Have basically all of them? in this in this <laughs> okay, you don't get to make fun of dad for twilight. Um <laughs> But this particular movie, Van Helsing is not the stuffy old book smart guy from the Dracula books. He's actually a sexy monster fighter who works for an order of ancient sexy monster fighters. And he does have nice hair. He no, has I didn't wonderful. did take
1: umbrage at that because Peter Cushing is a sexy monster fighter. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay.
0: Comment rescinded. <laughs> but <laughs> no so he gets tasked to, after fighting doctor Jekyll Mr Hyde in in uh in Paris which I thought was a nice touch that they they found a public domain monster to have him fight uh he gets asked to go to Transylvania to fight Dracula and he goes and there's uh Kate Be- uh Beckinsale also of the underworld, underworld movies playing basically a non-vampire version of of her character from The Underworld movie. She's a queen, right? Uh she I think she's like yeah, she's like a Romanian noble or something like that. Cuz again, a lot of the plot is incidental to what's going on in this a lot of the characters are incidental into this. I love it because it's it's kind of absurd and it's kind of terrible. And I love that the Dracula in this he sp he knows that he's in a garbage movie and he spends the entire time just Draculaing around the place. Like he he kind of just it kind of just thinks gravity is a suggestion a lot of the time because he walks up sides of the walls just cuz. But no, I I don't understand why you guys don't like this.
1: So I'll tell you why. You, you know watch? those bumper stickers <laughs> you see that say drum machines ain't got no soul. Yeah. CGI has got no soul. <laughs> (laughs) It is so CGI that there is no... Like, I have incredible respect for actors like Hugh Jackman and Ewan McGregor from the Star Wars movies. Like, this man spent an entire shooting schedule just on a green screen. Just on a flat plane of nothing. And the director was like, and now spooky stuff's happening. It's like, okay, sure, spooky stuff's happening. And point your crossbow and shoot it. And we'll CGI the bolt in later. Okay, whatever, man. Uh, can I go back to my trailer now? Yes, you can. Right? <laughs> That's the movie. It's just like yeah. because all of the set pieces in this movie are big CGI effects, and frankly, not good CGI effects. No, no,
2: okay. no. Okay, I,
0: I will concede that. I will say we're fifteen years out, but I'll concede that. <laughs> See, I
2: think so. So this is Steven Summers. He also did the the Mummy. That that he directed that. Um, and I agree with you, Quincy, that it, it it's soulless. And, and a lot of that is, is just the bad CGI. And so, is um, in a way,
1: that the mummy was not.
0: No, the mummy's I, amazing. And that's what
2: I'm saying is that I thought that the mummy had a heart. Like it was fun. It was a it was a rollicking adventure movie. I I had a lot of fun watching the mummy. I didn't have a lot of fun watching this. And I think that you guys are high. <laughs> part of the part of the thi- <laughs> part of the thing that really got to me and i think this is this is a problem with a lot of vamp, with a lot of dracula movies when they try to make dracula like the big villain or like you know like uh, the blade trinity they made him like he was the bad guy at the end of of,
0: of blade yeah. trinity he's not
2: scary and dracula should be scary like Drac- like Gary Oldman in Francis Ford Coppola's movie he was scary and even like in Bella Lugosi had a presence to him and he was creepy uh if you're playing Dracula like you should be at least scary or like you should have a presence and The Dracula was from just...
0: from, from, uh, from the monster squad is scary it, yeah, yes yeah. very so much Dracula so
1: Dracula is a metaphor for like unknowable evil i mean the thing that i want yeah. like to point out is in Todd Browning's Dracula <laughs> uh Renfro walks into that castle and it is impossibly huge and it is shot where he's like this you know lego minifigure in this vast castle mm-hmm. and then like you know dracula shows up and's like hey here's some armadillos which most people have never seen before and look at my beautiful children of the night come on upstairs and have a drink and as an audience member you're like don't do it dog don't don't go in Yeah, there. right. Yeah. Yep. He, he's bad. Don't and do it. when yeah. you see Dracula flying around the screen and doing all the cool stuff you can do with CGI, it just takes away the fact that, like, he's just a bad dude. And also, Dracula is. Plotting. The the big plot of Dracula is all about land purchasing. He buys a yeah. house next door to the damsel in distress, and it's like a... It's every father of a teen daughter's nightmare is that, like, sexy European dude just moves next door, and you can't really do anything because he legally owns the land, but he's yeah. also terrorizing your family. Right. I'm and, sorry. And, and, and for, so... All of a sudden, I just compared Dracula to Gran Torino, and I need I was, saying, for right, I was just Right. I was <laughs> just... <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, oh, man! I and that's my biggest problem with the, with the movie was that this is a monster movie, and I was more afraid of the monsters in Monster Squad than I was in the mo- in in this one. And and you said that it was a, it was a Castlevania the movie, and I agree with you there. Dracula at the end of Castlevania is scary, and he's hard to beat, and it's been building to him, and there's a weight to him that wasn't in this
0: movie okay i will i to me so I, that, think I think it's i don't want to beat up the, on your movie this is no your no, movie, no no, but no that's, i get it that's, and that's I, it. I still love this thing i think i love the fact that it is it's part of it is that it's kind of bad and i love that it's really cheesy and i love that there's that yeah there's a lot of pretty bad cg but there's also a lot of really interesting set pieces and there's a lot of a lot of weirdly funny moments like the the grave digger who is somehow also the mayor of the town um or at least the most important figure in this town i remember there's a moment where he says He's talking to Hugh Jackman and says, "This coffin, it's too small for me, but it's a perfect fit for you, motherfucker. You're 20 pounds soaking wet. This is perfect. Right. This is not too. This is not too small for you. I don't get that. Weird flex, I, but okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. Right, yeah. I love. Um, there are four different sets of vampire teeth in this. Like, there's <laughs> no. That's something I noticed. There's like regular vampire teeth. There's super shark vampire teeth. There's the blade trinity just maw gross thing. And there's just another one, and it's like, are they? Uh, do they not know that they're doing four different versions of this? I also kind of love that Frankenstein in this, the Frankenstein monster is a he looks monstrous and not it's a different take on the on the monster. I kind of like that and it's this weird steampunky sci-fi thing. Yes, it's CGI to hell. I'll admit that, but it's still it's different enough that it keeps me interested. and again, it's everything's kind of pretty in a kind of in a kind of dumb way. And I and uh, basically it's pretty in a dumb way and I watch it basically every Halloween and I love it every time and I love it more as a 30 year old dude as opposed to when I was a kid watching it in a theater because I saw this in theaters I owned it on D I owned the special edition on DVD that had three Universal Ooh. monster movies uh, on the disc like I Yikes. love that yeah I know I have terrible taste I refuse to change Quint, this is uh, a promise. Qu- 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 Quincy, what were you going to say?
1: So I was going to say, the the one thing I do love about this movie is Frankenstein. Because the pathos of the monster does capture the original. So, like, part of this movie I view as, like, trying to get millennials into interested in monsters because if you think about it the baby boomers were monster kids so there was a time when in america you could buy count chocula any month of the year because people loved monster aurora model kits and the monster mash and the monsters and you know dark shadows then that started becoming less cool and it was like that's hokey stuff we don't want it and we kind of moved away the irony seeped in and it became poisoned. So, in some ways, this movie can be viewed as the execs at Universal saying, we've got these hot properties that we have made our entire fortune off of. we got to keep them relevant. What do the kids like these days? It's CGI. So, like, in one way, it sort of works because they're trying to, like, make them relevant. But they forgot along the way, for most of the monsters, what makes them intriguing. So, for Dracula, right. it's that he's this, he's this you know, unknowable evil. For For Frankenstein, it's that pathos. That's what they got right. What they also forgot about is with Wolfman, he's just, like, the heavy. He's the muscle. right the the way the reason wolfman works is because of like the dread of lon cheney doesn't want to be a wolfman and the whole movie he's like what can i do not to do this and then he takes over so like frankenstein is where they got it right and if they made a frankenstein movie with the frankenstein's monster from this i'd be down with it but instead they made a van helsing anime
0: also owned that on DVD. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and see, and see that pause was him thinking, "Do I say it?" Yeah,
0: yeah no, I, say I, I fully, it. I'll admi- do I, it. I, <laughs> as I've said, I fully admit this. I think part of why I do love it is you, to your point that them trying to make a stay relevant. I remember vividly as a kid watching AMC Monster Fest and watching old monster movies and loving them so much. Oh yeah, and the that was the thing that I remember going into this like it sort of. Hit that particular thing in my head. And yeah, it's terrible, but that doesn't mean so I don't love it.
1: Did you guys ever have the Todd McFarlane? monster figures they todd mcfarlane you know hmm. of spawn spawn made i know exactly the ones you're talking about line of todd mcfarlane's monsters and it's like his mummy his dracula his wolfman and they all came with these like really intricate dioramas van helsing is the todd mcfarlane's monsters of
0: cinema <laughs> of universal monsters that's
2: a yeah that is a great Yep, you're
0: absolutely right. Because I remember those figures and they were super gross.
1: As soon as you hold them and look too closely and play with them, they break. Because they're not meant to be taken out of the package. And if you move
0: them in one angle uh, outside of the pose they look good in, it falls apart. Right, yeah.
1: I'm still, I have not processed the grief of how many Todd McFarlane figures I had as a kid that broke. Because original Spawn figures were actually durable, playable toys. And when they came out with, like, the Ash from Army of Darkness as, like, finally a playable Ash figure. And the second I pulled him out of the package, his arm broke clean off. And I'm still oh. processing that grief. Also, my Michael Myers <laughs> fell off of my bookshelf and his foot popped off and could never be glued back on. Absolutely. So,
2: but for Ash, you were not able to put a, a chainsaw or a, a shot—you know—you weren't able to glue anything back onto it.
1: Well, that's the thing—is I had to commit to. You could either have chainsaw in the air winding up for a chomp or you can have gauntlet hand shotgun. And because I could no, I could not commit. <coughs> I just was left in that Purgatory uh, box of broken toys. Oh. <laughs> um, oh. And
2: I think that's the episode title. Yeah. <laughs> um, Purgatory uh, the box uh, of broken, broken toys. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so I'm looking at those McFarlane uh, monster figures, and just like when they originally came out, I'm like, dang, those are cool looking. But then the like left side of my brain goes, they'll break as soon as you play with them. And now they'll be more fragile because they're like 20 years old now.
0: And (laughs) the half life of the plastic in there was already like five minutes. Oh,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. Right, exactly. (laughs) So I'm going to take us home with um, a discussion of a Terry Gilliam movie starring Matt Damon and Heath Ledger. And I'm saying all these things because that sound. And Jonathan Price is in it.
0: Peter Stormier.
2: Peter Stormier, Lena Headley. um, So, Cersei. Monica Bellucci. So this is a this is an early this is a an early meetup of Cersei and the Sparrow, all things that should be make for a pretty good movie. And in my opinion, it made for a pretty,
3: uh,
2: pretty okay movie called The Brothers Grimm. It tells the story of two brothers, Matt Damon and and Heath Ledger, and they are con men basically i mean they are going around dispelling not dispelling myths they're they're basically casting out like if there's like a witch in your yeah. village you call the brothers Grimm, they'll get rid of the witch they'll fight it and as luck would have it they're now tasked to go fight a real villain so it's kind of like a three amigos thing they were fakes so and now they have to go fight somebody real they're woefully inept to do it but they're they're on the uh, uh on the mission now that's the the a to b plot they They start at the beginning as con men. They end as heroes. Everything's wonderful. And I think I texted you, though, Lucas, that there's a line in the movie where they have these metal outfits that they wear to protect them from evil. And Matt Damon, this is after they've come out as frauds, Matt Damon says, you know, they're not magic, they're shiny. And that's what this movie was to me.
0: It's (laughs) the least Terry Gilliam movie.
2: Yes, that this was not a magical movie, it was a shiny movie. And... It, it did not feel like a Terry Gilliam movie for most of it. There was little glimpses of him in it. And, I, and it's not that I feel like filmmakers have to have the same kind of visual style in every single movie. Every Spielberg movie doesn't need to look like a Spielberg movie, although it kind of does. Every Fincher movie doesn't have to look like a Fincher... Well, they do too. Damn. Any, and I'm just saying, not every director has to be the same every single time, but it was like Terry Gilliam has this vast imagination... And it kind of took a little day off while he was making this movie. What'd y'all think?
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Because most of the movie, I was pretty lukewarm, except for the tower scene. When Heath Ledger is in the tower <laughs> and finds the yes. old witch in the bed, I'm like, all right now, this is working really well. And yes. then it immediately, that spark is doused because they leave the tower and they start walking through the forest with the like vines that try to grab them. And I'm like, yeah, it's gone. It's totally the whimsy and all the interesting architecture and all that is just vanished.
2: Yep. I, yeah, I completely agree. Is that the, the, yeah, when they were up in the tower, and because even it had some of the camera angles that Terry Gilliam uses. So, like, I, I, like, he catapults into the tower, and it's, oh, hey, I'm in a Terry Gilliam movie now. Great. This is going to get good. And it's just, to, to, when we were talking about, you know, too much CG where it's soulless, you know, the, the wolf is all CG, and, and he just doesn't feel like he's really there. And, and I feel like you could have, <laughs> there's parts of this movie where you, could have like faded to black like and as you faded back out of black had like sci-fi channel presents yep and it wouldn't have made a difference can we
3: talk about that horse that eats that girl yeah right (laughs)
2: spiderwebs oh god yes (laughs) the one
1: (laughs) so that has to have made somebody realize oh i'm in divorce like that is clearly <laughs> right. a like gateway to that fetish because that child is eaten by that horse and they like what open its mouth and they see this like maw and it's just like sucked in there and then the horse has like a weird distended horse belly because it has a child in it and it rides right. away <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh yeah there, there are some very disturbing weird images in this and that, yeah, the, just, like, even before she, she gets eaten, just the, it, it almost looked like baleen. Yeah. yeah. Like, when, when like, the, the one opened up, it just, it was all connected, and just, ugh,
0: yeah, it was gross.
1: And then the, that crow feeds the evil witch to wake her up, and it's like, that's pretty yep. gnarly.
0: For too. me, the, the creepiest yeah. was the, oh, yeah. when the, the gingerbread man, it takes her face and she's walking around without the face on the ground, and I just, ugh. Yep. Like, every time I, like, every time because I've seen this multiple times. Never owned it. Never owned this one, but... <laughs> <laughs> but that that was always the one that I just made was the the most unsettling to me
1: okay please explain this to me so a big part of this movie is the French are occupying mm-hmm. Germany and the French are jerks and the Germans are the heroes and one of the things the French do to torture the brothers Grimm's associates is to hang them upside down in a box with snails with snails. In hot water. What is that supposed I to do?
0: I assume it's a it's a weird roundabout thing of because they're German, they're not going to like snails to, because French people eat snails. I that's what I assume, but. Also Peter Stormare in this he's not French he's Italian which makes it even weirder. I assume it has something to do with his, with with that of like, you know, oh, we're going to do it with some weird stereotypical French thing. Also snails are just weird kind of and they're a little bit gross and having them roll over your face would just be really uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's what it is, but it's like it's played as like the most diabolical torture ever. Even to the part where right. like, he slips and they drop them further in, and the brothers go like, "No, don't do it." No, not the hot water and snails. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, is it supposed to hurt them? Because it does It just looks annoying. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah. 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 It, it's yeah mildly unsettling, <laughs> and I guess that. But then I mean, you know, they get their heads yeah. cut off. So I guess that's a little bit more straight. They, they stop screwing around with the snails and just, mm-hmm. you know, get to the, get to the decapitation. I'm fine when people try accents. I don't think that Matt Damon <laughs> should do a British accent again. What or... were
1: any of the accents in this movie? And also I'm pretty sure several times they forgot what accents they were.
0: Yep. Trying.
2: Yes.
1: I agree. I agree. Um, Cause they're supposed to be yep.
0: German.
2: So obviously they're going to have an English accent. That's, and it, but but different parts of England because
1: I think that Heath Ledger was more Cockney. I think that I thought, also has to do with the part fact of that it. Heath Ledger, Ledger is just Australian. He was just talking. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he was an accent, and some of it he forgot. He was, just, hey guys, it's me. Heath. <laughs> 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 Am I right?
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> A dingo ate your baby. No, it was a witch. Oh no! It, I think I was I was more, most frustrated by this movie just because I knew the pedigree of who was making it, and Terry Gilliam tells these fairy tales. Like his movies are fairy tales. So then, when given a story about strictly about fairy tales, it was interesting to watch it kind of just fall apart. Flat. It-
1: felt like it was a movie made by delegation it felt like the second yeah. unit director yep. just made this whole movie
0: and uh-huh there is what sucks is Terry Gilliam was supposed to direct another fantasy movie because he was the author's choice to do it, but he never got to make Harry Potter cuz J.K. Rowling wanted him to be to do to direct the Harry Potter movies, but the studios wouldn't have it. And I feel like this is him trying to to do something in that vein cuz there's there's that there is a, a weird element of tainted whimsy to it. And he, it's like he's trying to make some kind of big fantasy epic. Or not even an epic, but some kind of big fan, big fantasy story. And the gears don't always link up. And there's that, a lot of his trademark black comedy, like the bit with the kitten, that mm-hmm. just gets ground up and he get, and Jonathan Price gets a bit of it on his face. And there's something about the fact that he gets the tiniest bit of kitten, makes it really dark and, and, <laughs> and he kind of just flicks it off. But, yeah, to your point, is it it's, feels like it's delegated and it feels like it's, it's like there's something that could have been there had they tried harder. Um, I would love to hear the
1: behind-the-scenes story of this. I'd love to hear what yeah. Gilliam has to say because it also sounds like what happens with a lot of times. You get this really kooky director and the studio mm-hmm. gets nervous, so they send somebody in to just make sure that you're doing it. And you're gonna make returns on your investment. So I right. wonder how much the producers like. I'd love to see the director's cut. I'd love to see the dailies. I'd love to hear how much of it was a. This is what we did, and then test audiences got a hold of it, and this is what they wanted.
0: Right. Producers
1: yeah, so focus the... tested this, and they said cut out. You know these weird elements. Add more. You know of these attractive stars. Kind of
0: and the, the, something that I thought was interesting is that it, it ends on a on. Not a weird, but like a, a a a for a Hollywood film weird positive representation of a polyamorous relationship kind of, because she decides she wants to be with both of them, which is totally cool, but it was just unexpected. Yeah, and because I don't, I haven't ever seen that in a in a Hollywood film except for uh, Butch Cassidy. I don't know.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, and and I didn't, I actually didn't think about that. Okay, because they, like, I guess they both get the girl at the end, but I guess the you know that's. Getting the girl really wasn't the whole point. Point, I think just re, like reconnecting as brothers was a, was a point. So I mean there, there was stuff here that I liked. It just I think it was just disappointing because it could have been a lot better. But I think to your point, yeah. see that you know when you have, I'm trying to think back with with Terry Gilliam movies. You know he it doesn't always have to be fantastical for him to be able to show his imagination. Like you know Fisher King is a pretty straightforward story yeah you know it, it's a homeless guy and a shock dj but he still was able to weave in kind of fantastical things and i mean jeff bridges and robin williams are pretty big stars so it's not like he hasn't worked with big stars before but i i feel like you know matt damon is, is and and heath ledger they're like to your point they're just prettier and they didn't really look <laughs> they didn't look guilt like Gilliamed they they weren't all yeah. they, they weren't Dirty or they didn't have like messed up teeth you know they just they, they looked pretty and that just that for me was i don't know this was a confusing movie for me because I, I really wanted to like it at parts and then other parts it was just well this is just kind of pretty standard stuff yeah let's
1: talk about yeah. how the main conflict the main character conflict is over magic means it's literally
3: <laughs> yeah you
1: could have gotten medicine for our dying sister but you bought magic beans and they were never magic beans. We never had a, yeah. a giant beanstalk. We just had this reluctant business partnership as siblings. And then at the end of the movie, it's like, okay, magic exists. So I guess I can forgive you for killing our sister. <laughs> and we'll, we'll share this
2: woman.
3: Now. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. That's uh that's a good point that, you know, and so, so, so for that. So he, you know, the very beginning of the movie, it, it shows them as little kids, and I guess Heath Ledger's character has gone out. Was he expressly sent out for medicine, or did he just? Yeah. Take he them? was yeah. told.
0: that He was said, sell the cow to get to get money to get medicine to save the sister, and he traded the cow for magic beans, and that was the whole like, you know, that, that's the impetus for this. You're an idiot. You got seduced by by your stupid fairy tales. You killed. You killed her sister.
2: And then, but then, hard cut to them working together. Where did that, like, what, how did, how did that get to? Hey, we're gonna go roam the countryside and hoodwink other.
0: And how did we, boobs. how did we encounter our, how did we get our two other con men who show up a month ahead of time to to build the problem, and then we come in and solve it? It's like the frighteners. I just realized it's the frighteners. Yeah. You know, and then there's actually ghosts later on. Yeah,
2: but it, it's yeah, but w- like where there's a lot of stuff that happens in between the. Op- like Opening, you know, cold open to that. I mean, qu- you know, any ideas with that, Quincy? Like, you know, where, <laughs> what, what happened in between in I Brothers mean, Grimm? It's,
1: it's, <laughs> It's hinted at that Heath Ledger's... I cannot remember these
0: I think it's Jacob today. and William. No.
1: Yeah, it hey! is so generic. It is shocking that they don't call them Matt and Heath.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I was just watching the Andy Sedaris classic, Hard Ticket to Hawaii, last night. Every oh, in yes. that movie, the characters are just named the names of the actors. Because they're like, it's too confusing. Donna, you'll be a character named Donna. Simone you'll be a character named Simone we're done
0: yeah well that's something I've noticed in a in like film for like the past I first noticed it with 300 but for the past long time there's we don't get a whole lot of character names in universe people don't say characters names anymore because I think it's this weird thing where it, it seems jarring and outside of um it doesn't seem natural it seems forced and fake but I've noticed this well, yeah, in a lot. Yeah, it luck.
1: sounds like you're Chris Traeger from Parks and Rec. If you walk <laughs> up and say, Ann Perkins, how are you doing?" <laughs> like, yes, you know, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> brother Grimm, it's good to see you. <laughs>
3: yes,
2: hello again. Yeah. Um. But I, I, I did the same thing, Quincy. The whole I, I, I could
1: not remember their names to save my life. Yeah. So, so anyway, I, 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 in the my head, I was referring to Heath them. Ledger's glasses. He wears glasses because that shows that he's smart and a nerd. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's a very she's all that, like he's going to pull them off, and they're like, oh my, you were beautiful this whole time. I love that that t- they're like, okay, in order to make you the nerd, we're going to make you grow a really terrible dirt beard. We're not going to let you grow, we're not going to give you enough time to grow a real beard. We're just going to give you enough time to make your sideburn hair a little curlier than it should be. And that's right. going to be your character. So anyway, he's like a professor. He went to study literature. And, right and, and all that. And that's like also this point of contention, contention of like your head's in the clouds, you're never grounded. And like I guess Matt's character... Matt Damon's character stayed home and protected their mom and all that and then I'm assuming he's the he seems to be like the the leader of the grift. I guess he's like we're going to use the technological advancements of my steampunk brother to grift all these small towns.
0: They could there there's so much they could have done. They're they're really good with with machines and tech and things like this. Why couldn't they have just built, you know, a windmill somewhere? Or a cut lex Luthor a check. And it, yeah, yeah. It. <laughs>
1: so another thing I'm thinking about is when I think Terry Gilliam, I think Time Bandits. And the yes. end of that movie is so insane and is so bleak with Sorry Kevin, your parents are dead Like the the thing that sticks out the most is like the smoking hull of their living room and just mm-hmm. like no parents left. And just, like, they're gone, and then see you later, that's the end of the movie. And, like, think about that as, like, a typical Terry Gilliam ending, and then you get anything that's not that, and it's just, like, it's going to be unsatisfying.
0: Yeah, like, because there's that, there's that where everything is bleak and dead, and then you go to Brazil, which is even more horrifying, and... Right. And there's yeah like
1: what well, he just like flies away at the end, right? He just jumps uh, out the window. Well,
2: he well no, in in the at the end of Brazil, he thinks that he does, but it, you see that he's actually all in his head.
0: And he's being tortured. And
2: he's yeah. he's being tortured and lobotomized like by the by the government.
0: Yeah. It's there's like three different versions of it. There's the American like theatrical release where the studio made a like love wins ending. And then The real one that he wanted where it's this idyllic fantasy thing and then Michael Palin's pig-face like interrogator sticks up out of the frame and it turns out, oh, it's awful and dying. Everything's dying forever. I need to go lie down.
1: And again, the fact that the studio pushed for Brazil to have a Love Wins ending makes me wonder if they're like, we're giving you so much money, you cannot... Gilliam, this <laughs> We've
0: got to do what we want, and then the he broke. Day. He breaks the beer then bottle why, and then says, "Why? Washington.
1: Then why?
2: Why give him the money? If they know that you know, he is not an unknown quantity at this point, right? Like he is a he made Time Bandits, which is a really you know, ex, you know, fun fantasy movie. We we talked about it already on the podcast. He's made a, you know critically acclaimed films, but they all go wildly over budget. He
0: finally finished um, uh, Man Who Killed.
2: Finally finished. Took him." 20 years to do that you know he, he's famously you know hard to work with why do why would a studio give him money
1: to make this and then like hey just don't don't gilliam it so i think what <laughs> like, happened t- t- was the same thing that happened when i got on amazon to watch this movie i just typed in Grimm because i am lazy <laughs> and the movie immediately popped up after the the tv series but also there are like eight Thousand mockbusters named grim and like the the because i deal with this a lot on um our podcast like we watched gremlin singular which is not mm-hmm. the the popular gremlins franchise it's just banking on you seeing that and going oh i know that and and clicking on it so like the fact that when you look up the brothers grim you have like the Brothers Grimm versus the Avengers and like all of that like <laughs> shit the bed crazy stuff. I think people say Brothers Grimm, okay, cool, I'm gonna watch it because it's an action movie. So that's only probably fifty percent of the market. The other fifty percent right. of the market are hardened film ghouls like us, <laughs> uh, who are, you know, not willing to watch Avengers Grimm Time Wars, which is Little Red Riding Hood and uh, a vampire and a bunch of other people in leather jackets. So, like, what happens is to convince us to actually watch this movie, it has to be like, by the way, it's directed by Terry Gilliam. And, and we say, like, well, I got to see what that's like. So, like, I know that Netflix got their click for me because besides, you know, doing this for the podcast, Terry Gilliam made me willing to keep watching Yeah gotcha. So I think in terms of like a, a business strategy, it's the clout of the director, but also from the Hollywood model, it's still there's this tight grip because even though they're making all of this, they're they're worried that it's still not It's
0: funny work. you should mention that cuz I saw this in theaters when it came out when I was in college and if I remember correctly, I went on a date to see this and we were the only two people in the theater because <laughs> <laughs> Because it was a four four screen theater in Farmington, Maine and Oh yeah. The Narrow gauge, the Narrow gauge theater. theater. It. It's great. And there were we were the only people there and it was like a Thursday night and I think the only reason we were there was because Trailers Looks Interesting and Terry Gilliam. That's it. And we just why is no one else here? I'm like and I remember thinking about it like, oh, because no one else knows what the hell this is. <laughs>
1: it is a weird, like, for such um, a big budget picture. it's yeah. really not yeah. very market.
2: It's funny, um, Quincy. You know, we, in doing, I don't know if you you noticed this on doing yours, but um, with ours, there are times where I'm really, really looking forward to speaking with Lucas um, about the movies because they're really fun movies that we've watched, or they're like just really, really terrible, horrible movies. Um, you know, so either extreme, it's fun to talk about. It's the ones that are like eh,
0: exceedingly okay.
2: Yeah, and I feel like aside from yours that you picked, and I know Lucas, you loved
0: Van Helsing. Yeah, but it's um, not, it's not super fun to talk about when, when it's yeah. I, I see its flaws, but I just kind of love it for for it. It's a guilty pleasure. It is, it is a greasy cheeseburger for me. And it's at this point. The call dropped, and we proceeded to pick this conversation back up almost a week later. Sorry for the mix-up. Hope you guys stick around for the rest of it.
1: I do believe we're ready for your ranking portion of the show, because we've talked about all three movies. Yes,
2: yes there there was one, uh, just a pickup that I wanted to, to mention, and, and I, I realized that I it was in my notes and I didn't bring it up, um, about Van Helsing. Um. I don't know Quincy if you or Lucas if you guys have seen the movie The Mist the Stephen King movie. Oh yeah 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 so loved the story growing up um, it's a B movie you know it's it's a throwback to all that kind of stuff and Frank Darabont initially wanted to film it in black and white like he this is you know this is his homage to a B movie um, you know like the the Fly and the you know, the, all those great Ray Harryhausen movies, all that kind of stuff. So we wanted to film it in black and white and there is a black and white version of the movie and it's a hundred times better. In my opinion, it just feels
3: mm-hmm.
2: just, just even just changing it to black and white makes it feel like a different movie. And I felt yep. like the opening of Van Helsing that's in black and white was the best part of Van Helsing. And I feel the movie Absolutely. itself would have been better if it was all in black and white
0: and it were, if they, if they had kind of aged the film a little bit, it
2: looked like the universal monster movies. It was aping. Yeah. Like it, like that little shift would have made it that much better in my opinion.
1: Yeah. And what's wild is there's no reason why they couldn't release a blu-ray version and just do that. And it's like, you know, advertise it as an extra bonus mode of the movie, like retro mode. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah.
0: I'm and I that. actually would 100% agree with you on that one. I And I dearly love it, love uh, Van Helsing for a lot of reasons, but I would 100% agree that would that would probably kick it over the top. Because yeah. it, it would still have that level of cheese and, and beauty to it in that lay, but it would also make it feel more real, which would go along with
3: like
2: the, I feel like the black and white might even soften some of the gl- glaringly bad... Yeah, special effects. I don't, I don't know. I just it, and just in thinking over it, it was just funny to me that such a subtle like so, it's something really simple. But if you just did that, and I I wanted to, like kind of pose it to y'all. If if you agreed with that, why do you think that is?
1: I think it's because the color palette of that movie is mud. So like a yeah <laughs> a removing color in general would have kind of solved that. Because I look at that movie and I'm like, and it's kind of one of the the precursors to the like let's just take all of the color out of this movie kind of thing.
0: Yeah, the only color that they add are the the lightning effects when they're they're zapping Frankenstein or uh, the wolf dude. And that's the only thing that might be hindered by it being black and white because it's, you know, oh, obviously his electricity works because it's blue as opposed to green, but... You know that's that's just me throwing out things. There. And
1: I'll admit that I am a sucker for insane color schemes because, like, some of my favorite movies are *Houseu*, which is just like bright orange and psychedelia, or like *Godzilla* yeah. versus the Smog Monster, which is just right. entirely <laughs> a <laughs> lava lamp Godzilla movie filmed <laughs> behind a lava lamp. <laughs>
0: Yeah,
2: which, which which all the best movies are to to be honest. Yeah, yeah.
1: So right. movies where uh, cinema verite is just thrown completely out the window.
0: <laughs> this is a movie, damn it! Get out of here with your realism. <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> uh,
2: um, so I think you're right, though. I think we're at the point where we rank. Yeah. So. First, you know, since you know, since you you've joined us um, this time around, Quincy. What? Um, let's rank the three movies that we watched, and then we can then put them into the yeah the grand scheme of things. Okay.
0: I, I think I would go out on a limb just for the, in my opinion, I'm thinking probably best to worst: Weird Man, Van Helsing, Brothers Grimm.
1: I think I would completely agree with that. Um, I think yeah. Brothers Grimm could have been a good movie, and now that I yeah. understand that there may be somewhere on a VHS a director's cut, four-hour-long version, that it might actually Oof. be watchable. But um, I still <laughs> don't want to hunt it down because I would not watch it if
0: I found it. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> it's explicitly cursed. It, it'd, it'd be
2: a thing that you like. You'd pick up. You're like, oh, well, neat. There it is. And back on the
0: shelf. I feel like if I picked it up it'd be the you know, the eye of Sauron would see me and
1: <laughs> it's Right. Ring rays show up I'm at your not, door I... in Miramax t shirts and they're like, Hey man, we need that back. <laughs> right. <laughs> I really like that <laughs> because of Harvey Weinstein being the dirt worst, uh, Miramax has had like a fire sale where like Everything that they put out is now on a DVD, one of those like twenty action movie DVDs. So you can get every film they've made for like pennies on the dollar. It's very good for compulsive uh, media buyers like myself. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So,
2: so you're saying there was a silver lining for Me Too and Harvey Weinstein, and it was that now we can buy
1: DVDs for cheap. Yeah.
2: Oh, good, good.
1: <laughs> uh,
2: what an awful man. All right, if those are the three, where do they fit in? So Quincy, what we usually try to do is we'll pick like a, you know, here's a benchmark and we'll, you know, up or down versus where we start that benchmark at.
1: Yeah. So here's my biggest uh, barrier is that none of these movies have a villain named Dakar, who's played by an actor named Dakar.
2: (laughs) All right. And then
1: (laughs) go on. So, so a fighting Eagle is (laughs) the Ah. best movie in cinema history, because not only does it have a guy (laughs) played by the guy and it's not like a Melissa, because this actor couldn't remember that her name, her character's name was Melissa. Right. But there's a man named Dakar, and they're like, you know, we need to come up with a good name for this spider cult. And we're like, how about Dakar? And they're like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Or conversely, yeah. <laughs> um, he is, he launched his career with this movie, and he's like, Dakar, Dakar. Yes, Dakar is my name. <laughs> my That's name. not my
0: name. <laughs> Equally valid
1: it is now so you watched a tour yeah now everything else about that movie barring the little bear cub is garbage <laughs> yeah
2: bear cubs we both enjoyed the the shadow fight that was something that we had not seen and it was kind of interesting yeah um but i agree with you it is bananas
1: so so in terms of like special effects and all that I would argue that the um Weird Man is better but in terms of like see see this is tough because I would put Weird Man above it and then the other two below A-Tour but this is your show so I want to you know play by your rules. Yeah.
0: No, I uh I appreciate it cuz I I'm thinking I've been they've been tumbling down the list as I'm looking at it I'm like No, I'd probably rather watch most of these other movies than those. Like, I I admit that I like Van Helsing more than most people, but I admit that I probably thought Deathstalker 2 was more fun. Yeah,
1: Deathstalker 2's got those pig guards. Right. The the (laughs) Gamma guards, absolutely. And the, the, like, murder princess. Like, I really love that she's (laughs) just waiting to stab everybody.
2: They say Deathstalker 2... In the first like scene, like they name drop the movie, not just go Death Stalker, go get Death Stalker two.
1: It's almost <laughs> it's as good as all of those um, Andy Sedaris, like Hard Ticket to Hawaii movies where they have posters in their apartment of all of the other Andy Sidaris. Yes, other Andy Sedaris yes
2: movies. exactly. I think I forget. I think in Chopping Mall, it's the same sort of thing. In Chopping Mall, they have a bunch of posters for all the director's other B movies. <laughs> it's so good. Um, no, I would I would agree with you. Then I, I, I'm. What, what about you, Lucas? I think. That-
0: yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Nestled between the the <laughs> the loving embrace of Death Stalker Two and Ator is where the weird man is going to sit. Yeah. But. <clears throat> and then. I think immediately after a Ator, I would probably rather watch. Uh, Van Helsing than the One Warrior. Yeah, yep.
1: Have you seen the
2: One Warrior, Quincy? I've
1: I've lived a charmed life. I have not seen the, warm, <laughs> the the One Warrior.
2: So you you haven't you haven't seen the Green Ranger fight in a fantasy movie with Jesus didn't tap tattoos clearly visible on his arms.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I have not, and now I'm I'm questioning my life choices.
2: As should the Green Ranger. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I, I agree, Lucas. I'd rather watch Van Helsing over The One Warrior. Brothers Grimm can go pretty far down, in my opinion. It really... I didn't... Okay. A lot of the bad so, movies that we've watched have at least like found joy in watching them. There wasn't a lot of joy for Okay.
0: Right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot my shot, then. Uh, what was worse? The Warrior and the Sorceress or The Brothers Grimm?
2: Jesus. Warrior and the Sorcer- Sorceress is uh, David Carradine, and it's it's a basically Yojimbo fistful of dof- dollars ripoff on a distant planet.
0: That uh, that nothing happens in.
2: Brothers Grimm's better than one, uh, Warrior and the Princess.
0: Okay, what about P-51 Dragonfighter?
2: <laughs> it's, it's better than that.
0: The original Deathstalker? It's
2: better than that, because it doesn't have as much rape. <laughs> or any, and then yeah. it's a good thing.
0: Season of the Witch, not as good. Not as good. So, all right. So, it's looking like see, uh, that's going to hit between Season of the Witch and Death Stalker. Cool. Done some good work here today.
2: Have you seen? Have you seen any of those other ones that we mentioned, Quincy?
1: No, I've seen Death Stalker and not seen Death Stalker.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like you you made a
2: wise decision. That is the way to do it.
0: Death Stalker is. It is a brisk hundred or like hour and sixteen minutes long. Oh, uh, it's it's right it after feels my heart. Like, if it's that short, <laughs> it fe- it feels like every fifth scene is taken out. Yeah. Um, um, the first five minutes of it is just people jumping through a window, and there's just so much rape.
2: Yeah, it's like un- uncomfortably like well, not like any amount is uncomfortable. This is really uncomfortable. It, it really was not. It was not pleasant to watch. Yeah,
1: in the eighties, um, they're just like, "What? It's it's the George R. R. Martin problem." And I'm trying to figure out who got this idea first, or if it was like a parallel development. But like George R. R. Martin has this thing where he's like, "How do I show that this character is really bad?" Oh, he'll just rape women indiscriminately. And it's like, buddy, you don't have. There's millions of other ways that you could write and be a good writer and not just be use that sort
0: of shorthand and it's a it's a relatively recent thing too because unfortunately we didn't think it was that bad until relatively recently
1: it, it was like a given, is the issue. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, yeah. I'm so tired of that. And also it's frustrating because with George R. R. Martin and Game of Thrones, like, he's written other better things in sci-fi and fantasy than Game of Thrones. That's just the one that, like, hit at the right moment.
3: Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm, um, yeah, I, I, you're absolutely right. The, it, it's, it's lazy. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. there are better ways to show how bad someone is more subtle ways and even even more horrifying ways but doesn't have to be that
1: listen uh, you heard it here first y'all uh, George R R Martin is a lazy man right <laughs> the guy who has not published the one book that the entire world wants him to write the
0: one world is th- that hey, people I, have listen, been hoping like that he publishes before he dies statements
2: here on uh on Sword and Board we really like to push the envelope <laughs> of
1: things that that other people aren't talking about. I read an interview with him once, and half of the interview was just talking about why the Mexican restaurant that they were doing the interview at was better than the one down the road.
0: That sounds like the kind of interview I would take I would well, give. Like, you could also tell frank, by I the can't tone, fault him for that. The d
1: der- the interviewers like, please can we talk about this book that you will never publish? And he's like, No, we're gonna talk about tacos. <laughs> Because clearly, look
2: at me. That's my priority. <laughs> that's my priority in life. <laughs>
3: uh,
2: uh, hey, I've really enjoyed this a lot. Thank you so much for uh, for joining yeah, us. Yeah,
0: thank you for having me. Yeah, it's me, been a real thank blast. you very much.
1: It's good to uh, venture out of my ghoulish wheelhouse and and watch some things <laughs> right. that aren't directly you know, blood splattering everywhere and uh, (laughs) chainsaws. (laughs) Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go watch Necromantic 2, the necrophilia horror movie for my own podcast. Ooh, that's amazing.
3: Now,
2: I I don't know if you've watched it yet. We watched one last night, um, Tales of Halloween
1: Um, Anthology. That's the new one. Yeah, that's on my list. I'm really excited about that one because it's got a lot of good people in it. In it.
2: yeah adrian barbeau um barry bostwick there's a bunch of i mean it, it, it's it's silly but there's some pretty legit little shorts in it
1: and i believe mick garris worked on that project he's the guy that did the um the showtime uh masters of horror series that's so good yes so uh yeah he's always got my stamp of approval if he if he puts and- his wh- mind-
0: why is it wh- and what coming, I've
2: only wondered uh, is... I'm
0: sorry, go ahead, Lucas. Uh, like, why, are there, why is anthology horror so relatively common when compared to other kinds of uh, fiction? I, is it just because a lot of... like I remember seeing a take that it's that a lot of horror concepts or, or slasher concepts, they've only got about 15 minutes of a good idea and you can get a really good 15 minutes out of it unless you're really talented?
1: Yeah, I think that that's, that has a lot to do with it. Also, I think that basically horror anthologies are um they're the punk of cinema <laughs> they're the we have all of these short films that have been at festivals and in order to like get capital for their next project they need to sell these so let's just stick them in this movie and we'll sell the movie so like i think a lot of it is like because there's also been short films that have been made into really good movies. Um, the Babadook is based on a short film and like the concept of mind. the film was like proof of concept. And then they made a banging movie out of it. But you know, the, the kernel is in that short film. Uh, and there's other stuff that's more, I think horror also works really well in a short, um, version because, um, Well, the the background of horror is short stories in pulp magazines and like EC comics, like every Tales from the Crypt and campfire stories almost. And campfire stories, scary stories to tell in the dark, all that stuff. It's it works better in a short form because you get in and you you get spooked, and that's the goal. Well, I
2: think also because so much of horror, you you have to suspend your logic, you have to suspend like your rational thought and the longer you do that the harder it is so if you just kind of get in and get out it, you know it's easier for you to kind of suspend your disbelief for a little bit and think that there's something under your bed <laughs> or think that there's something in the closet or think that there's a monster but then the longer you think about it no there's like i'm i'm just i'm overthinking this so like the shorter it could be the you know the, the scarier yeah is.
1: yeah and and the best ones are the ones that even hint on top of that so like they never show the monster or they only show like a fleeting Mm -hmm. glimpse. So you're left with like, what did I just watch and what was that thing? And what does that mean?
0: So Quincy, where can we find you and your show?
1: We are crawling all over the ghoulish part of the internet. Um, we're most often found... You mean the internet. Uh,
0: just the internet. Yeah.
1: So, uh, we're most often found on Twitter. Uh, our handle is at Volcast, where me and my co-host Ryan are constantly posting about, you know, the zombie talkies and, like, <laughs> Halloween Horror Nights and... We're trash-talking Rob Zombie, like, every day. Uh, our most viral tweet is making fun of of Rob Zombie, so that's <laughs> kind of our brand. Uh, we have a podcast, Rank and Vile. We are available on all of your major podcasting apps, and we have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Vile, uh, where you can get videos of me eating ridiculous halloween snacks and and gagging because uh it turns out halloween food tastes very bad uh we tried the new zombies <laughs> we tried, came out this year that are rotten flesh flavored are uh, so you can subscribe to our patreon and see me uh struggle with those with
2: those <laughs> and i'm sure your mom's very proud as she's as our mom is as proud of us. <laughs> About. Yeah, we, we
1: made it. We did it. Right, right. <laughs> we did it. Right.
0: Lucas, where can you find us? We are also on Twitter at sword in our sword in board cast. Um, I'm occasionally making jokes on there. Uh, we uh, are on letterbox as well, where we, I update the list every time we get one of the episodes up. Um, that's about it. Lars, you got anything else you want to say?
2: No. Um, again, thank you, Quincy, so much. Thank you very much. That, um, your podcast was obviously a huge inspiration for this one. Um, we are very early on in our podcasting careers. We're kind of bumbling through it. So it's been nice to actually talk to a, uh, a top (laughs) seated expert in this. Um, and, uh, um, again thanks very much and everybody thanks
1: for listening. Hey, uh, Halloween's much. coming up. Make sure you wear your highly reflective uh, costumes. Um probably <laughs> your lo- do, do local fire departments still give out like shiny bags or is that just a thing that happened when I was a kid?
2: I know ours do, ours doing do, they, they give out like reflective yeah, stickers. Yeah, yeah. So wear
1: your yeah, reflective I think, I think stickers and and hold your flashing pumpkin flashlight and um stay spooky. <laughs>
0: yeah. Have a good night.